Hello and welcome to the Final Ghost Podcast where we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism. This is Anna, co-founder of the Final Ghost and your podcast host. Over the next few months, we'll be tracing the lineage of monsters in horror cinema. In each episode, I'm joined by a special guest to dive deep into a different monster movie. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a double bill of 1980s weirdness. Paul Schrader's Cat People from 1982 and the frat horror comedy Vamp from 1986. First, we'll tackle Cat People, a very loose remake of the 1942 film of the same name, which we covered on the podcast as well in the very first episode of this season, but this is a beast of a very different kind. In this version, which was billed as an erotic horror, whatever that means, we meet our protagonist Irina, who has a dark family secret that resurfaces dramatically when she reconnects with her estranged brother Paul. Living with him in New Orleans, Irina finds herself falling for zoologist Oliver Yates, even as her brother makes his own advances towards her. It gets real weird. In the second part of the episode, we're going to be chatting about VAMP, where two college students want to hire a stripper to buy their way into a campus fraternity, but unknowingly stumble into a layer of vampires, led by the high-concept art stripper vampire queen Katrina, played by the one and only Grace Jones. I'm joined in this episode by horror film writer and filmmaker Zena, who's the editor-in-chief of Real Queen of Horror. We chat about the weird beauty of Cat People, how it's not really a remake, how Vamp fits into 1980s horror, our love for Grace Jones and her incredible performance in Vamp. As with all of our episodes, we go into spoilerific detail pretty much from the beginning, so if you haven't seen either film and you want to remain unspoiled, watch them first and then come back to this episode. Zina, thank you so much for joining me and for making the time to talk about these two extraordinary 80s films. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm so excited. Like I was telling you before previously, like I had a hard time, like, <laughs> you know, even going back and rewatching them. It's like, I don't know if this ever happens to you before. I'm just going to tell you a little short story. You know, sometimes when you like rewatch a movie and then you feel the need to like pause it and then go back some more, you know what I mean? Like, you, like you're yeah. like- pausing like every 10 minutes or so <laughs> and did you have to do that with these movies yes I I needed to do it, it I just oh had a great time oh great that's so good to hear so we're gonna be talking about cat people the 1982 version not the 40s version which we covered in a previous episode of the podcast and vamp from 1986 so let's start with cat people Without you. 
this is a remake from the 1942 film of the same name. And to kick off, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with the film? Had you seen it before? Or was this your first time watching it? This was actually like my first time fully watching it. Um, and it was like a long time ago, actually, because I remember I watched the 1942 version um, and I was mm. just so like, I'm still in love with it. I was just very much in love with the movie. I thought it was just perfection. And even for, like, like the cinematography, the fashion, I love the dialogue. You know, I loved uh, the character Irina, especially when she said that she liked mm-hmm. the dark. It's friendly. Like, oh, my God, who are you? Right. <laughs> but <laughs> With with this version, um, I was curious about, and I have no idea why I didn't watch it. It's not that I was trying to avoid it because I would see like bits and pieces of it and I thought that it looked beautiful, but it was, um, this was actually like my first time fully watching the movie. And from the start, from the opening, it's like, where has this movie been all my life? I <laughs> wish that I would have watched it sooner. Like everything about it, I'm just so in love with it. I feel like it's it's bizarre, but it's still, you know, even though it's an older movie, it's still very current, you know? Two questions there. So what did you love about it? And what do you think kind of makes it so current? So I really love the, okay, visually, I feel like it's beautiful. I love like the, the, the playing with, with the lighting, with the different colors. I feel like, It's just Mm. like the sets are so like they really just go into details with the set design. And I know that sounds Mm -hmm. like simple, like, oh, you know, there's some movies that do that. But it's just like, I don't know about you. I watch a lot of I used to watch like a lot of movies from the 80s. And I feel like this one, Mm -hmm. it's different from those 80s movies. And I feel like the even with the color palette, I feel like you can even compare it to some of Dario Argento's, you know, and um, interesting. I, I feel like even with that, as an example, with the blood, there's there's nudity, there's blood, mm. but I feel like it's done very tastefully. And one scene I feel that really stood out for me when there was blood running down Irina's shoe and like it went <gasps> down the drain. And, you know, it reminded me of, you know, Alfred Hitchcock's like psycho. Right. So it's just like it, it's yes. like, whoa, it was just um, amazing. Like, I really love that. It's like. On the, you know, outside, you think that this is going to be kind of like a psychological horror dealing with, you know, animals and stuff like that. And what a surprise. And why I feel like it's still current, the music, you know, the, the yeah. music is just, it's so moody, but tasteful. And David, mm. you know, Bowie, obviously he's everything, you know, but it's just, I felt like it yes. fit see you understand me I feel like it just fit the film perfectly I fit I feel like it fit um even with you know today's time with with the with the music you know it's just intriguing it's just a story that I feel is that we've seen we kind of seen before minus you know the the animal part but you know with a brother and sister they have a weird relationship they're in this weird cool yet cool looking house it's just a very bizarre story I feel and which funny is I know that this is considered a remake and you know I too was guilty I feel of considering it a remake but I feel like it's perhaps it even should have been called something else because I feel like it's a movie Mm. that could stand on its own I couldn't agree more and like before 
I expand on, on that point, I just wanted to mention, I literally, when I gasped, when you mentioned the shot about the blood running down the drain around Irina's feet and her kind of pastel sandals, I've literally taken a screenshot of that yeah. moment of the film because <laughs> I remember rewatching it last night and thinking, gosh, that's such a beautiful and horrific image. And it is such right. a stunningly shot film. Like it kind of... You know, this is um, from 82. So this is kind of just around before the explosion of like erotic thrillers right. in in American cinema, especially. And kind of it's it's an erotic horror, which is a, a strange combo that I don't think I've seen that much of. Like, that's the way that kind of Paul Schrader described it. I was like, oh, OK, so you're going to terrify us, but also titillate us. Cool. But yeah, that shot is unbelievably gorgeous and there's so many shots that are both horrifying but still so gorgeous to look at and kind of a lot of the way that it uses the film uses kind of mood lighting you know they're both in nature but then in the big bustly city and they're surrounded by kind of concrete and these very cold environments but then the whole thing is about their physicality and their kind of animal instincts and right I wanted to pick you up on this idea of the remake because it's it does feel a little bit simple almost to talk about it as a straight remake. It kind of reminds me of Argento's Suspiria with Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria. You know, they share the same name. They, same, they right. share the same sort of basic, basic premise. But they are very... And there's a couple of scenes that are kind of remade, but <laughs> they do feel like entirely different films so how do you feel you know how would you think that this kind of takes the basic idea of cat people and updates it and makes it its own well i like the fact that you know irena's name her first name is is the same and even with her background mm. story it's kind of similar you know and even with her going to the zoo and falling in love with a man named oliver so that's cool. But mm -hmm. I feel like this Irina, she seems more independent. She doesn't seem, mm -hmm. um, she seems more powerful, if that makes sense. Like she's very much mm -hmm. aware of herself. And it, it's not like she's walking around kind of meek. Um, not that I felt that the 1942 um, Irina, that she was kind of meek, but sometimes she, it was like she was very unsure of herself. But I feel with this Irina, mm -hmm. she just seems like an updated modern one. And I think that's, to me, what really stood out. Like, I just feel like this one, again, like, I, it's just, you know, I feel like a, a, a mm -hmm. movie of its own because it even has its own, like, storyline. Um, it seems like it even has, like, its own goals, like, had its own goals for itself. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And. I love kind of like playing off what you said where, you know, they'll be in nature, but then they're in the city, the hustle and the bustle of the city. I love that, you know, that they are in New Orleans. I feel like that is such an awesome, you know, space to be because, you know, there's there's a lot of weirdness going on. And that that kind of fits with the movie as to why, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So how do you think they like, and I'll be honest, I like, I, I love New Orleans, but I totally forgotten that I think because I saw this movie for the first time when I was a little bit maybe too young and I probably didn't get a lot of it. I just remember certain images right. and I'd forgotten that it was set in New Orleans. So kind of how do you think that the weirdness of the city plays into the weirdness of the film? 
Well, as an example, when she goes to the bar uh, with the redhead. Alice. Same as same as in the 1942 one. Yes. When she goes to the bar and, you know, this woman, she says a word that starts with an M and she was just as confused. And they don't even, even though it was very mm-hmm. odd, it wasn't like, you know, sometimes when you're watching a movie and there has to be that, you know, that designated weirdo person who says something and people are just like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. But with this one, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, well, go on with your story because they're kind of like, they're used to that type of behavior. <laughs> You know, not only not only that, even when she was on um, kind of like the, the train ride or the bus ride when she was going, you know, um, just, you know, doing some tourist, uh, you know, sightseeing yeah. and everything like that. There was just a man just staring at her. And I mean, men are weird sometimes, but I just feel like that just that actually just just fit with it. You know, like there was mm. I don't know. I feel like that kind of like showed us that. But then on top of that even though they were in the city. And then when they did go more into nature and stuff like that, it was more like the swamps. So, and when I think about, you know, um, New Orleans as an example, of course, mm. there's like the the downtown area, but there's also like, you know, swampland. And I felt mm. like even with her being out there and it was just so eerie and weird and wild. And it felt like there's always something kind of going on. Like it's, it's a city that always kind of makes me think. And the reason why I think, feel like I'm so attracted to it especially in fiction it's like there's there's always something happening like there will always be something right. going on in a hotel or in a bar or in the swamp so kind of in a in a house somewhere that's sort of hidden by all of these trees like it always feels like it's never entirely asleep like there's always weirdness or something a little bit esoteric kind of going on and the fact that Oliver kind of is kind of accepts the fact that Irina might be a werecat or like a panther woman Mm -hmm. is also a bit like well maybe they're just you know kind of it's more embracing of the weird right (laughs) I don't know know, Oliver (laughs) oh that is so true he was totally fine with her being like a a werecat like he did not mind I mean I guess but I mean that's kind of (laughs) To me, that I, that would have had me running for the hills, but that's just me. Maybe that's like the 80s. <laughs> I was actually, you know, thinking about like the relationship, you know, Irina that she had with her brother, you know, Paul. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I just at first, you know, obviously as the viewer, you know that there's something weird going on between the two and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when he was trying to like, sleep with his sister it's just like all right that's this is getting out of hand you know yeah and just it it just it was so messy it went from like carefree to like oh i'm just going to explore you know new orleans gonna stop at the zoo and then next thing you know you know her brother is just being weird (laughs) what did you think of the (laughs) i was i was literally about to ask you kind of what did you make about their relationship but what did you think especially about their performances, like Nastasha Kingsky and Malcolm McDowell, who plays Paul? Oh, man, I feel like they did an amazing job. I felt like it, the woman who played um, Irina, like I felt that I really did believe her. And I know it's just like it's as simple as that with acting. But I know you understand like where it's like if you mm. watch a movie and, you know, 
you can kind of see like, yeah, that's not, you know, I'm, I'm, you're not selling me. I really did felt that she was like really confused. She was confused mm. on, you know, just who she was, where her family came from, what she was going to do. Should mm. she stay with Paul? Maybe he's right. Maybe Paul's right. So I really loved her performance. And, you know, Malcolm McDowell, he's just always blowing people out the water with his amazing performance. So it was really great seeing him. But I do feel like I love the fact that with the, even though like everyone I felt did like a great performance, but in a way I feel like it was just such a, an odd, but great lineup of actors. Totally. And I think it's like, there's, there's something slightly off about both Nastasha Kinski and and Malcolm McDowell like not in the sense that they're weird people in the sense that like they're both kind of very beautiful but just slightly you know not conventionally beautiful in some ways right. if you know what I mean and then like they're the relationship between them as well it's always like oh are we friends are we family and Paul is hitting on his sister kind of you know but even from the very first moment we meet them when we don't really know what the relationship between them is and then you know they go off and have their separate encounters and stuff and all of that is always sort of tinged with this weird oppressive feeling like they're sort of presenting themselves as one thing but then actually there's so much more behind the scenes going on and the way that they move like physically I found really interesting you know the scenes where Mm -hmm. they're kind of cat-like like when Paul sort of jumps yes. on the bed like a cat and he watches his sister sleep, which cats do all the time. And it's weird. It's weird when it's a cat. <laughs> it's even weirder when it's a grown ass man. So how do, you th- <laughs> how do you think they sort of played with this idea of these two characters sort of like even in their human form, having these like where cat, you know, elements to them? I loved it. I thought it was just the perfect amount. Like it wasn't too much where it it would have become more like cheesy. Mm-hmm. So like even with, with the jumping with, you know, there was a scene where Paul is kind of like shaking his head kind of like a cat. Um, <laughs> and it just, it fit. It was weird, but it's like, it, it fit. Like it wasn't like, I was like, what, what is happening? You know, sometimes when you watch something, it's just like, you just want to cut it off. I was intrigued. Yeah. I was intrigued with, you know, with him, um, with Irina, like I wanted to know more about, you know, their people. And then Mm. even like, again, when I was, you know, saying to you earlier, just like, oh man, when the movie first started, I, I was like hooked because you know, that dreamy, like desert type of sequence, like whatever was happening there, like, I really want to know more. Like I would love to learn more about their people, cat, werewolf people. (laughs) The cat people. (laughs) Your cat people. <laughs> <laughs> One of the th- like, I think I remember the dreamy sequences more more than anything else. What do you think about this extra backstory of kind of explaining all of this world where they have to have incestuous relationships or they will kill? Because it like in the you know we mentioned that it's sort of unfair to compare it to the 1942 version but it's it's almost inevitable but i remember right. with the 1942 version which i love this idea is like no but i want to know the legend of the cat people i want to know why you're so afraid and this movie kind of creates all that all that extra world building um what did you make of kind of the the legend aspect of the film 
I thought it was really interesting. I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's gross, but I get it. You know, it has like a, <laughs> it has like, that's why I could see like, you know, Irina, like she was really confused. Like, oh man, what am I going to do? And he, you know, Paul said like, if you want, you know, I, I'm going to kill again unless you sleep with me. <laughs> like, it was yeah. just like, whoa, you know, like, and it wasn't like he was trying to make her. It's just kind of like, I think that she needed to see for herself. And, um, because this is who she is. So you, she couldn't avoid it. And I, I think that obviously in the beginning, she probably thought that that's something that she could have done and that she's not like him, but that's who she is. That's where she comes from. But I, I really do. I think that their backstory is very interesting. And honestly, I would want to know more of it. Like it was cool seeing mm. them in, in, in modern times, but I would love to see like a dream dreamy type of you know movie and the desert or wherever their people are just just more of a backstory like how did this like I know that you know Paul explained it but Mm. I just kind of want I would like to see it more yes yes I know what you mean (laughs) what do you make of the of the horror elements of it and like specifically transformations of Paul and Irina into werecats they're like very out there they are they are and i was actually going to um ask you this but you you beat me to it (laughs) um i i feel like it's the perfect amount of like horror and i mean Mm. because you know sometimes there can be too much blood i feel um i i think blood is cool i know that sounds a little weird but it's like there could be too much blood where it's just like okay where's the storyline what's the purpose of this Um, Mm -hmm. but with this, I feel like, especially like with the transformation, this is how I would think that it is. And I've noticed like not a lot of movies, like you don't see this with a lot of movies. So when Paul is finally no more and Oliver decides to, you know, open up the cat and see what's in there because he knows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And, you know, not only was that sound effect and like the steam before that happened, when you could see like a hand, a human hand curled up in there. I would have been in there screaming because like that's, can you imagine like, and obviously he, he worked at the zoo obviously for a long time. He'd seen it all, but he's never seen Mm. something like this before. I know. And there's also like, there's this really interesting thing about the film where it's like the, the panther kind of comes out of them. So kind of like rips through their skin. Which I found so visceral, especially with Irina, because we see her literally like her skin burst and this cat come out. And then at the same time, then when Paul uh, is gone, you know, there's this idea of like the human bit of them is trapped within this this big cat. Both of those are equally terrifying and gross to see. But (laughs) I also it sounds weird, but I am like I'm a cat person. Uh, I don't want to see this, but also how would this work? Because they're making something that on paper sounds ridiculous, actually quite terrifying to watch. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm a cat person as well, but, you know, seeing, I, I, I was always just curious and it's like, who thinks about this stuff? I don't know, but I was always just curious to see how, <laughs> you know, how it would work out. How are they going to make this work? And just the fact that it's still like, you know, grosses you out, you know, in this time, even though it was made in 1982, I feel like that, that means the world, you know, like they were clearly doing, you know, something Mm. right. 
Oh yeah, I find like those. Do you like those transformation scenes in general in movies? Like it, they're especially common in like werewolf movies. Um, not so much. Some just being honest, like I feel like that could be it, mm. because sometimes they can be very cheesy. So if done right, mm. you know, then yes. And I know, like even when I'm thinking about. Um, an American werewolf in London. I love that movie, but even with that transformation, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it looks it looks gross, but in some some ways, there's a little bit of cheese to it, which I don't mind. It's mm. a classic, but I'm not always the biggest fan. So even with, you know, I agree mm-hmm. with you with this transformation um, for the 1982 version, like how it was like popping out of their skin. Like you could see like the fur, mm. you know, on the hands and stuff. And it's gross, but you can't look away. Yeah. And I think it's like, I mean, I have to say, I did find like the scene where Paul's paw is popping out of his fist a bit, <laughs> a bit cheesy. I was like, oh, that that's almost cute. But uh, though, which I, I guess is it says very weird things about me but um (laughs) i did like the fact that these two actors mcdowell and kingsky also kind of look a little bit like feline like their faces work so well even with very minimal sort of special effects or makeup i don't know about you but i found it like it really added to the idea that they would you know transform into these massive cats I agree. I especially see it, you know, in Kingsky's and in her in her face. Like there'll just be times mm-hmm. when it's like it's just a regular day and she's just looking off somewhere and there there is definitely something about it. So And to start rounding up the, the conversation around cat people, what did you make of the ending in this one? I thought it was kind of sad. It just seems like she didn't want to live like her brother, which is understandable, and she ultimately did let Paul um not Paul she did let Oliver go and mm-hmm. knowing what that means like with at with him being with Alice but it seemed like Alice always wanted to be with Oliver yeah you know even though it's like he you know Oliver still was very much I, I feel in love with her but he kind of just settled for Alice so mm-hmm. I mean I thought it was kind of sad and I'm just I'm I don't know I'm wondering you know, maybe there could have been like a different way. Maybe they could have been together and they could have done it in a more neater way other than, <laughs> other, this sounds evil, but other than the way her, her brother did it, you know, with his basement and all. Yeah. yeah what about you? I did like, I did feel a little bit disappointed by the fact that, you know, in so many ways, you know, this film is kind of about like exploring uh, the idea of like a woman's desire and her sexuality right. and to have her like end up in a cage like literally yeah. in a cage it's probably the thing that kind of the only thing that disappointed me about rewatching the film the idea that Irina mm. needs to end up caged and sort of tamed by because she is she cannot control or she's told that she cannot control her desires and she cannot find right. a way to live her life and have a sex life and not murder people so kind of this and you know seeing Oliver and being petted by him at the end when she's sort of completely docile I was like oh no you should you should be running free (laughs) right she should should be be out there (laughs) where was she gonna go Richmond I don't know like she'd be she could be out there like hunting rabbits I like living living her best life and right the woods maybe I mean, I, I think that that would have been better. I think so, it too. would have been better. Just let Oliver go. <laughs> yeah. 
Would you recommend this film for contemporary horror fans? I would. I feel like I think that it was very enjoyable, even for, you know, for myself. Um, it's just sometimes I notice with the with the first uh, film from 1942, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there are some people, they don't like watching older movies, especially if it's black and white, as an example. I feel like with this one, it's unexpected. Like, I think that they're going to go in thinking that they know what's going to happen. Um, but then as soon as, even when, when that first kill happens, um, or not, the, not the kill, but the first attack happens with the prostitute, yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. that's going to like really get people in there. 100%. If not for the eighties aesthetic and the music or the actors who people will probably recognize, uh, come for the, for like the, the cat kills. Moving on now to Vamp from 1986. Did you ever have one of those nights? Hey, where are we going? Ah, doesn't matter. What counts is that you're my buddy. <laughs> my day didn't start off too well. We be looking for ya. Are we chumpy tonight? And then, it got worse. We're here. And then... Gentlemen, I give you Katrina. You're just what I'm looking for. Why'd you pick on us? It's a mistake. It was a little error there, a little communication error. I'm sorry. Uh oh. Let's just get out of here. This is not really happening. Hello, baby. God, you look awful. What happened to you? I was nearly hung. I got into a fight with a psychotic albino. I ate a cockroach, my best friend disappeared, and then I'm nearly assassinated by a runaway elevator. Anyone can have an off night? Fab, a comedy with bite. And of course, Grace Jones. Had you seen this film before? Yes. How did you feel revisiting it? I am still in love with it. I still think that it's phenomenal. You know, I really love 80s movies and I love vampire movies. And then together, mm. this this is unstoppable. Plus, Grace Jones, I feel like she's just a goddess sent from the heavens above to bless our lives with her being fabulous and fashionable. And it's like, I would really love to see her in more horror movies. Like, I know that she was, like, the last one that I remember seeing her in, she was in mm. this, um, it was like this werewolf movie from the 2000s. But, you know, she was like a, a, a woman, like the half woman, half man at a carnival, you know, like one as a okay. performer. And it was like a made-for-TV movie. And, you know, it was actually pretty cool, you know, a werewolf movie called Wolf Girl. But I don't really feel like we were able to see her enough. And I just feel like she's just, again, she's just powerful. But no, I'm still very much still in love with it. So let's talk about Grace Jones, because I feel like all of the posters of the movie that I've seen kind of put her front and center. And she's like the most memorable part of the film, for me at least. Yes. Like how, what do you, I mean, 
we've already said we love her. So what do you make of Katrina, <laughs> the vampire I think it's fair to say she's a vampire queen. Like at some point someone refers to her as a vampire queen. Yes. So what do you make of Katrina as the as the movie's main villain? Monster. I thought it, she did like a great job. I kind of did want to see more of her. It was understandable mm-hmm. as to why we didn't though, because you know, the, the whole storyline with these, you know, uh, fraternity brothers or these guys trying to get into a fraternity, you know, just trying to get a stripper, you know, whatever. Um, so that, that was pretty, it, it was understandable and stuff like that. They just basically just wanted a stripper to perform, you know, at a frat party in order to get approval and stuff like that. So then they also uh, get this other guy, um, Duncan, who's, you know, he's kind of geeky and stuff and they just want to use his car and everything. So when they do head off to this like extremely creepy, dark neighborhood in the bad part of town, it was kind of weird that someone I feel like Katrina, because she's like upscale. So it's like, I, I feel like someone like that should be like grabbing like high end clientele <laughs> gosh that sounds so horrible <laughs> but but you know but I mean I guess in a way it makes sense because you know they kind of want to be you know basically you know they're vampires and everything and they mm. want to be able to like dispose of the bodies and they don't want to have to worry mm-hmm. about cops so it makes sense but I do feel like it is a very it was refreshing to see her in a role like this because she had like a very strong fashion background and it was just unexpected to see her perform this way like you know she to me without even saying a word she did a great Mm. job like just with her with her eyes with her movements like just Mm. her you know body language I believed her you know as queen vampire you kind of mentioned it there's the fact that she doesn't actually have a single line in the film and yet she's like the most powerful presence on screen And when she comes out with that, like, red hair and that amazing makeup and her entire body is made up as well, kind of, like, covered in, like, you know, this white paint design. Um, What did you make of, like, that performance in particular? I love the the reaction shots of all the guys after she's done dancing (laughs) with her, like, there's, like, a whole minute of just speechless men just staring at her. I love their reaction too. <laughs> I'm sorry, I want to watch it. I laugh because they didn't know what to do, and it's just like. Yeah. But technically, she put on a show. It was very modern and artsy, and mm. I, I mean, I don't see myself. You know, not that there's anything wrong with this. I do not see myself performing the way Katrina performed. But if I were to, you know, be in that kind of work. I would want to be just like Katrina. I don't want people to have words. You know, I mean, she was really going at it too, but it, it was still, mm. it was tasteful, even though it was sexual. Um, I, I don't know. I've never seen anything like that before. And then, like you said, with with the red hair and then the, the, the body paint and she mm. had like the blue contacts and what is happening? I don't know. But it was just, it was something that you just could not look away. It was almost like she wasn't really made up like a stripper because I think instantly of sort of Salma Hayek in From Dust Till Dawn as another kind yes. of you know, example of, of a vampire queen that's, a you know, dancing in a strip club. But that was very much like sexualized for a male audience. But this felt more like you mentioned like an art performance by Grace Jones. Right. 
And, you know, it's funny that you, that with you mentioning, you know, um, Salma Hayek, you know, from Dust Till Dawn, because mm. I've always felt that that movie was inspired or at least influenced by Vamp because it kind yeah. of has like a little, I see some similarities there. Oh, for sure. Do you think, you, so you think it is kind of inspired by it? I think so. Like, I don't think that, not fully, because I know that it's in a, it's a whole family, you know, and uh, mm. from Dust Till Dawn, but with the Vampire Queen, and it was like with, you know, Samuel's performance, it was very artsy, but even though it was still like, you know, it was still sensual, it was still like, you know, attractive mm-hmm. and everything. So I don't know. I just do feel like with Vamp, it is more horror. Com- it's more of a horror comedy. Like you can, it's just definitely yeah. there. It's a very 80s movie. Yeah. And kind of to dig in a little bit deeper into Katrina as kind of the the main female monster what do you think about her in her uh, monster form you know she's got this thing where her face transforms as well when she goes into vamp mode and when she attacks AJ what did you make of her once the veil is lifted and she's shown in her true form um it was very surprising i was <laughs> i was just expecting to see just you know like the teeth but then there was yeah. something also, obviously, like her whole entire face changed. And the part mm-hmm. that really, like, you know, stood out for me, her toes. Like the, oh, yes! she had like the longest nails. Yeah. And like, yeah. even like the way she was like rapping, like she for sure, for some reason, I thought it, it's very small, but I was, I was like intrigued. Um, when, <laughs> when she, when we first saw what was going on. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at, um, you know, AJ with her and everything. It looked like with him when he took off his socks or she mm-hmm. took his socks off with his shoe, she's like wrapping her feet around him. You know, I guess maybe that's yes. that's easier for her to like get to him. And then when they, you know, they did like the did like a different like wider shot. And when we were able to see like her toes, like the, the longness mm-hmm. of the toe, like the transformation in the face, it was just like. It wasn't just like a tooth, you know, kind of like, oh, you know, that little vampire tooth. It was like, mm-hmm. you could see it in the gums. You could see it in like, just like the, the whole, like her whole entire face. So mm-hmm. I, I was really, um, I found that really surprising because this is a comedy horror from the 80s. So mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting her to be super scary. When I first watched it at the time, I think maybe I was like a teenager um, this was like in the 2000s, early 2000s. And, you know, I wasn't like scared, but it was just kind of like, a, oh, you know, because like, that was it was surprising to see, you know. Mm-hmm. It's sort of funny, kind of in an 80s frat boy kind of way. But it's yeah, the toes. I remember those as well. I was like, oh, Jesus, they're really like going for it. <laughs> it's I mean, it's very Buffy-esque in a way because her face kind of goes into vamp mode when she's ready to attack. But it is very it's very extended like she spends a long time Mm -hmm. biting that guy's neck and kind of really gnawing at it (laughs) which (laughs) a literal definition of a snack I think in that film where it's just just getting into it um but right I like that though definition of a snack One thing that really struck me about the film and kind of you, I wanted to pick you up on it is kind of this idea of this being kind of very 80s. Like, it's also very neon. Visually, this film is pretty stunning. Like, every single simple scene is like lit in this beautiful neon way where, you know, there's just green and pink and 
bright neon blue everywhere kind of what did you think of the way the way that it sits with other 80s horror movies it's it's weird because it is it's set up like a traditional 80s horror you know with the two you know wannabe frat brothers with the dialogue Mm. with their clothes you see that but then what you were saying even with the colors you know it's just like oh that's that's a little artsy it's a little like I felt like they they did that for Katrina for Grace Jones because Mm. you know she is the she's the queen and she's like not only is she powerful but clearly she's a woman a, a vampire of of like a higher class you know like she mm-hmm. probably comes from royalty so i think that that's where the colors play along with it and i don't know if it fully fits because it is it is very much 80s it's campy but it's not always that way throughout the whole entire movie you know mm-hmm. like i see it with the with the guys you know with Keith with AJ with Duncan you can see it but there's just something I don't know. There's just something like, like, like they were trying to go like a different direction. Um, mm-hmm. at, at one point I felt, but, or at least make it more, you know, visually appealing. And I feel like they did that. Um, and I think that's why I really love it just because even though it is, it's funny, it's fun. You know, I do feel like it is, that's what makes it underrated and mm-hmm. like an underrated, like vampire movie if not, you know, a cult classic. And I know that this movie is not perfect at all. There's a lot of flaws, but just because of, you know, I feel like visually how it looks. Yeah. Why do you think this film is kind of not as well known as other um, teen vampire 80s classics? Like I'm thinking of The Lost Boys and Fright Night, which came out not exactly the same year, but around the same time. Um, I, I do think that, that that is kind of strange because it's not like the poster isn't appealing. You know, I'm so it's like I'm not too sure. I think that maybe this is just one of the the films that fell into the cracks because even mm-hmm. when you look at the cast, a lot of the cast members you've seen them and you know other horror. Well, not horror. Well, some of them has been horror movies, but you've seen them in oh, other yeah. '80s movies. Yeah, that guy who plays AJ. Right. Like I remember him from what comes to mind is Weird Science and. You know, that's a very, it's a popular movie and I really enjoyed that movie. So I, I'm not too sure why. I think it was probably just one of those movies that fell into the cracks. And then even with Grace Jones, I know that she was big in the 80s. Yeah, she'd just done, like the year before, she had just released A View to Kill, the James Bond movie where she played Mayday. Mm-hmm. So she was like at the peak, I think, of her popularity at that time. And what did you make of the ending? I mean, I think it, it was like they were trying to give us like a happy ending. Um, even even though I felt like with, you know, AJ is uh he, he's still like a vampire. So mm-hmm. um but they it, but it just seems like with him and Keith, you know, they'll still find a way to be friends, I guess. <laughs> but um I was kind of hoping that, you know, with Katrina that she would somehow find a way to still be alive just because perhaps they could have gone to you know open up a club in vegas you know i was hoping that maybe they would come back with some type of sequel what did you think of her death okay um um i it kind of did make me laugh (laughs) it kind of it kind of did just just make me laugh um you know, I'm I'm not too sure. I maybe they were rushed, or you know, I think that either <laughs> either they were rushed, or maybe they just thought, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're let's keep in mind, let's keep it like 
funny, you know? Because yeah. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't like a big, big fan of it. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't scared. I wasn't, I, I laughed and I feel horrible. Oh, no. I mean, so, I think like the, the moment where her, um, where her like bones show the finger to the characters, I was like, there's, this is playing for laughs. Like, it's just, there's no <laughs> other way. I thought like she has to have the final word. But that's what I mean. They could like really come back strong if they had like a sequel. And oh mm. no, she's not dead. She's really alive and they're in Vegas. But this time, you know, she's not the, the main showrunner. She's still the queen, you know? Um, but yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just a thought. I'm just imagining a sequel now. I would just like want to see a full feature length Vegas show that's just Katrina performing. Right. <laughs> To start kind of wrapping up the the convo about vamp as well, kind of do you think it's billed as a comedy horror and kind of do you think the horror works still or do you think it sort of leans a bit more into the comedy side of itself? I think that it, it depends because there are some scenes I feel like that's kind of scary. Um, but for the most part, to be honest, because of I watch like a lot of horror movies, like for me, mm-hmm. I feel like it is more of a comedy. But I do know of some people that would like genuinely be terrified if they watch something like this now. <laughs> what do you think are the the truly <laughs> scary bits? Maybe not for maybe not for you and I because we watch a lot of horror movies. But <laughs> for what do you think are the bits that are still that are still potentially really scary for horror fans today? I think when Keith discovers AJ and the garbage. disposal Mm. bin because you know he's been spending majority of the movie looking for his friend and then there he is and then you know he calls the cops and when he's in the bathroom stall and then there's like banging on the door and then there his friend is that's kind of scary because no you saw him dead like neck all ripped out like come on what kind of joke you know is that and then he's acting weird so you know, but of course you're not going to right away normal people or people who don't watch normal people, people who don't watch horror <laughs> movies, they're not going to, <laughs> they're not going to think he's a vampire. But I would think like, no, there's something wrong. Like I saw you dead. Like, you know what I mean? Cause he really did. Like he wasn't moving at all. He was probably cold, like, come on. So I, I think that that part can still, you know, be a little scary for some people. To, to finish off kind of our chat about both of these films, how do you think they kind of stand next to 1980s horror? I feel like it, it's showing kind of uh, that they're, they're showing a different side of horror, not only just with like the two powerful women, mm-hmm. but even just how visually appealing mm-hmm. they both are. You know, 80s movies are known to be, you know, cheesy and campy and, you know, have that tone. Um or just being like straight up horror, you know, like killing and blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this with them both, it's done in a very artistic way. And, you know, there there's, you know, there's blood, there's there's killing, there's sex. But again, I feel like it's done in a it's done in a different way. If that makes sense. Zina, thank you so much for your time and for your insight on both of these films. It's been wonderful to chat to. And can you let us know where people can find out more about your work? Of course. And thank you again for having me. I hope that I didn't blab too long. Not at all. Not at all. The perfect amount. (laughs)
Okay, good. But yeah, you guys can find me at realqueenofhorror.com. Um, it's my blog. I've been running it for nine years. And I just, you know, talk about a lot of horror movies that I love. Also, I'm on YouTube. You can just type in Real Queen of Horror. And I do a lot of top, you know, five, top ten lists. Um, I just love doing those. It's a lot of fun to yell in front of my camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always on Twitter. And uh, my handle is LovelyZena. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it for another episode of the Final Girls podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. If you can, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to find out more about what we do, we are on thefinalgirls.co.uk. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at thefinalgirlsuk. You can also follow Zena on Twitter at LovelyZena. And I tweet a lot of inappropriate horror gifts at Anna B. Demented. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode where we'll be covering aliens.